Stay ready is the mentality birthed through the trials and triumphs in life as an NFL long snapper. Join me in conversations with teammates, mentors, friends, and family who help me realize stay ready is so much more. A deeply rooted principle of life in all things faith, family, and football. From Music Row in Nashville, welcome to Stay Ready, the podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to another Stay Ready, the podcast episode. Happy Halloween. I'm sitting here with my buddy Jasper Charles. Uh, Jasper and I uh, recently just met uh, at a Bible study and Music Row Ministry, which is incredible. I've been very fortunate and blessed to be a part of that group and and uh, kind of joining the masses as it seems to be growing pretty quickly. But uh, I briefly heard uh, Jasper share a little bit of his testimony in one of the Bible studies a couple of weeks ago. We connected on Instagram, uh, been you know watching his reels and whatnot. But uh, um, welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks for coming over to the crib. Happy Halloween. A little cold up here today. We can see our breath. It's probably like what. 38 degrees out, but it's a beautiful day here in Nashville. Uh, but welcome, man. Thanks for taking the time out to come on. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, the elephant in the room, obviously your your voice is a little raspy now. And that's a big part of your testimony as we speak. You're going through uh, just a difficult time right now. You're a singer, you're an artist, you're a writer. Um, and to kind of have your voice seemingly taken away from you, um, through like injury and all kind of stuff. And I, I really want you to share that, but I know people may hear your voice and be like, oh, what's wrong with this voice? But let's get the elephant out of the room. Let's, let's talk about that off the jump, I guess. Let's get into it. But, uh, how are you doing? How's your voice yeah. and how's your spirits, man? Good dude. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say something, if you are doing too, that like, uh, you know, this is how I always sound for the people listening, but dude, honestly, today's a pretty good day. Good. Like I haven't spoken very much this morning. So like, yeah, off the jump, this is like pretty good yeah um yeah so i'll try to make a long story less complicated than it has to be for the the voice thing so so i've been having voice issues since like 2017 okay really. so this isn't new yeah this version of it is new yeah um in 2017 i was playing a show back in birmingham which is where i'm originally from okay and i was in the middle of this show and i was like man something's wrong like i was in pain yeah i could, I could just feel it you know what i mean like i knew I had an issue. So I got off stage and I pretty much told my parents, like, I've got to go get this checked out. Mm-hmm. And so I went to Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt Voice Center, which started like a six-year series of going in and out and in and out, yeah. getting my voice checked up. And so right off the bat, they kind of told me, like, it looks like I had a cyst on my left vocal cord. Okay. Not a polyp, not a node, which was what everyone always asked me. It's like, oh, do you have vocal nodes or polyps? I'm like, nope. It was a cyst. It wasn't on the surface. It was like under the surface, kind of bulging out. Okay. Um, Vanderbilt at the time wasn't really willing to operate or do anything like surgical. Yeah, I can speak more to why that is later on as I've learned that the vocal cords are very intricate and delicate. Yeah. But at the time, I was like, I want to get this over with. Like, yeah. I, I just want to get to fix the problem. Yeah. I was a junior in college, yeah. maybe. Um, living the wrong star life, you know, which we're going to talk about some more later, but they pretty much handed me this piece of paper that was like, you can't talk for two weeks. You need to cut out chocolate, dairy, alcohol, smoking, like the list of all the things that I was doing at this time in college. Right. Yeah. And so for a little bit, I handled that pretty seriously and then quickly was like, I'm not doing this. You know, like I was super hard headed about it. Yeah. So it didn't help my case. Skip forward into the future some years and I can 
I can fill in the gaps as we get into this. Um, I wasn't taking that probably as serious as, as I should have. There was a period of time where I ended up moving back to Birmingham after I graduated from MTSU. And honestly got to a spot where I was like, I might not be an artist anymore. And then I got to this spot where I thought, I might not even be a songwriter anymore. I might not do music at all. Yeah. So during this time, I wasn't even concerned with, is my voice going to get better? Is it not? Like, I don't even care, right? I ended up moving back up here in 2021. Okay. And at this time that I moved back up here, I was like, man, I'm just going to be a writer. Like, I'm not going to be an artist. I couldn't figure out who I was as an artist. I was still dealing with this stuff. And I was like, I'll write, I'll write for other people. I love to write. I'd be cool with that. Yeah. To this day, I'm still cool with that. That's all I ever do. Um, and then I ended up putting this song out that it was about a buddy of mine that passed away from high school. And I just shared it on TikTok, like, you know, we'll just see what happens. I didn't have any intentions on really recording it. I said I wasn't going to do that. And TikTok, like, did what TikTok does. Sure. TikTok told me I had to go record this song. Yeah. And so that song ended up charting for me. It's called 17 and a Chevy. And when that happened, I was like, okay, this is like the first real taste of something that I've been waiting on since I was 13 years old. Yeah. So if there's a time where I'm going to take this vocal thing seriously, it's got to be now. Yeah. So from 2021 until now, it's been like back into vocal therapy again, taking those things that they told me not to do pretty serious. Um, so all of 20, I said I wasn't going to make this a long story. I'm already making it all. No, you're good. In, in the beginning of 2023, end of 2022, I started going back to vocal therapy and they pretty much laid it out like no doctor at all is going to even think about operating on you if you can't prove that like you'll go through therapy without it. Yeah. Because when you come out of it, you're going to be in more therapy. Yeah. And no doctor wants to operate on you and see you again. They want their job to be done. Yeah. So... I've been doing like eight and a half months pretty much this year of just vocal therapy and making some health decisions on my own, like stop drinking um, and some other things to kind of say like, I can do this. Mm-hmm. And so in August, um, I had my first operation. The cyst that we, we think was a cyst was proving to not be there anymore, which is like awesome news. It could have been from the cyst. It could have been from other things that both my left and right vocal cord has scar tissue on it okay which was what was causing me some initial already existing rasp um shortness of like duration of voice and pain so the goal was that they would inject um steroids into both cords to break that scar tissue up yeah to happen in august of this year and now i'm just kind of in the waiting game of is this really going to break it all up didn't know until after that operation that they did more than just injections. They actually got there with a knife and it's a removal and it ended up being a little bit more invasive than we thought it was going to be. So my timeline of like, what does my healing process look like has been extended. And now I'm bouncing back and forth between two different voice clinics, a vocal therapist uh, and a physical therapist. The issue that I'm running into right now is that one doctor says one thing and the other says another. Yeah. And like, they haven't given me a hey, like, you know, by December, you'll probably be okay. Like the last major checkup that I had was like, we don't know when you're going to sing again. Mm-hmm. And they were very somber. Like, I don't know if you've ever been to the doctor and sat down, like, you just know as soon as they walk in the room, like, by the looks on their faces, like, yeah. this isn't going to be good. Yeah, That's how that last visit kind of felt. And it was scary. They were like, we don't know when you're going to sing again. Yeah, are you just, like, a rare case in this? Like, with, with these doctors just being uncertain of what's going on? I mean... 
I know it's very common in the in the music world with yeah. voice issues and you know the we you mentioned the palops and and just you know I think a lot of guys that I've met and women have experienced that one time or another or it's something like you know that it always pops up and whatnot and you know you can't talk for two weeks whatnot and but for you is it more of a rare thing that they just really can't put a finger on it I think for me and again to try to not make it like all complicated and like going all the scientific terms with the doctors are telling me yeah it seems to be that there's like three separate issues that i'm having and one of those is like high amount of inflammation mm -hmm. on and around my cords the cyst itself and then this scar tissue okay and also this like crazy neck muscle thing that i've got going on which is why i'm in physical therapy yeah so i guess four things and all four of those things are separately happening all affecting each other yeah and so it's like they can't identify is there one of these four reasons calls for all the other ones or not um so it's like you're, you you try to get one thing under control to get the next yeah. thing under control and it's just kind of a, yeah. and a cycle you're not to throw like any doctor's names into the bus or any clinics or anything like the doctors that are in the city are amazing yeah right like to the best for singers and voice i mean like i'm not gonna name the clinics just in case i say something on frustration and i talk about them in a negative way but like you walk into these clinics and it's like wall to wall floor to floor it's like gold records on the wall from other artists that are saying thank you to doctor so and so you know for whatever yeah and so i'm not gonna bad mouth anyone but like i think they're unwilling to give me a cert like a solid answer because they don't 100 know yeah and i think we're just in this time where like if a doctor doesn't 100% know, they're not gonna tell you because they don't wanna be sued. Yeah. And so in like my case and like some of my frustration, which I really haven't been frustrated up until this past week because I'm learning more yeah. about what I haven't, haven't been told, which is just frustrating to go to the doctor and then find out later, oh, I didn't tell you this, we didn't tell you that or whatever, that's frustrating. But I think it's really coming from a place of they're scared to tell me something and be wrong. Yeah. So they're just not telling me 100% anyways. Yeah. So, I mean, you're up to this point now where, so 2017, you experienced your first vocal issue, um, the pain, the discomfort, you knew something was wrong. You know, now we're sitting here a handful of years later, and since August, you've really been in, like taking this seriously. So when's the last time you actually, you mentioned a TikTok video, I would assume you sang on that TikTok. Yeah, so I haven't sang, sang since August, so oh. before the surgery. Okay. So anything that anyone sees right now, Relative, it's, it's relative though it's recent yeah it's been recent long. i mean for yeah. me it feels like it was forever ago oh sure honestly yeah i mean pre this oper pre-august operation like things were going pretty well yeah i had a song that right before my operation like did really well mm -hmm. charted for five days in a row on the itunes charts which is like a pretty big deal yeah. for independent artists for me like for those who don't know like to chart on itunes that's strictly based off of a sale and a purchase not streams yeah so like as an independent artist, like that's gonna make me money. That's good for me. Yeah. You know what I mean, and it's just good exposure to be like in the charts with other major artists. It's like you want to be able to, you know, get that screenshot and post it when you're sitting next to Morgan Wallen or Luke Combs or whatever. So pre-operation things were looking like really good. Yeah. So even though it was only a couple months ago, to me it feels like it was forever. Oh sure. Like man, like I want to get back to singing. So luckily for me, and like this is all like part of my testimony right now is like everything came out to, to a wire of like am I going to be able to record new songs before my operation so that when I'm healed 
you got some stuff backlogged there. Because like, dude, sometimes it takes like two and a half months from walking in the studio to getting the song done and back. And so like, I didn't want to be like, well, and this is all like, I didn't know how long this was going to take. Yeah. I originally thought I'm going to gather this operation and in two months I'm going to be back singing. Because that's what I was originally like told. But even then I was like, well, dude, I don't want to wait two months. Like I need to go ahead and record stuff. Yeah. And it was all coming down to the wire, like with studio dates. Like I have a full-time job too, which we can talk about in a minute. But like, it just seemed like I didn't know if I was going to be able to knock these songs out. And like, dude, by God's timing, like I was able to record three full songs before my operation. Yeah. Luckily knowing that now, like I have a song coming out on November 10th because I, now I'm like, I don't know when I'm going to sing again. Yeah. So I might as well put these songs out now. Sure. And so this next single is called Everything Under the Sun, S-O-N. And it's really just about the whole story of that song is saying like everything that I have has been given to me from God, S-O-N, Jesus, right? Yes. It's saying like pretty much I have everything under the sun because I've been given everything under the S-O-N. And I feel like it's the perfect song right now because it's like I've said this throughout the last two months to my parents, to friends, to family, to anyone that's asked. Like, man, like you must be so mad about you know, how, where you're at right now and not knowing the full outcome and you were told this and now it's that. And I've been telling everyone like, yeah, I guess like the situation overall sucks, right? I might not ever sing again. Like that, that is a possibility. But even if I don't like it, it's okay. Yeah. Right? Well, I have my rivers that I love to fish, I love to hunt. So I got two legs, I got two arms. Like 90% of what I do day to day and what I care about, it hasn't changed. Yeah. Like I'm good. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, like singing, I've based pretty much every decision in my life around the idea that I have this dream. Yeah. I left home based on this dream. Yeah. It's affected relationships in the past. Like yeah. I've sacrificed time with friends and family. So I do care about the idea that I might not be able to do it. Yeah. Although I'm super optimistic that I'm probably gonna be able to. Yeah. But even if I never get to completely like walk out the train that I thought I was gonna have, have everything else. Yeah. And like this part of the story and like what I'm going through is like really helped my situations reach other people in a way that I never planned on, I never saw it coming. That's so correct. yeah, it's been a journey. I mean, it seems like you're in great spirits and you, I know you just posted a reel recently, just like kind of updating the fans, not only the new song coming out on November 10th, but just like I'm good, like yeah. like you mentioned, all those things you got, you still got hunting and fishing, you still got two legs, you still have a voice, yep. you still have the ability to play instruments, play guitar, write. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But in the moment, I mean, dude, it's so easy to get down and, and count yourself out. And I mean, you mentioned an athlete tearing his ACL. Yep. You know, I can relate to that so much. I've never had an ACL tear, but I've you know tore my shoulder, had to get the surgery, went on IR never knew if I could snap a ball again or be at full strength. And yeah, everyone goes through these, you know, injuries or setbacks or unfortunate circumstances that, you know, you feel like the dream potentially could be dead or you can never do the thing that you love to do. Yeah. Um, obviously for a singer songwriter, like your voice is that, yeah. is that tool and that box, that, that gift. Um, but your perspective, man, is incredible where, you know, you're going through so much, the possibility of never seeing again is very realistic. Um, you're not seeing the progress that you necessarily wish that you had up to this point. Um, but man, God, God is revealing something in the midst of the storm right now. Um, and it just ri reminds me of, do you, have you ever seen the, the DOC documentary? No. So, uh, doc is a rapper, you know, infamous with Dr. Yeah. Dre and, and 
I believe uh, at the time NWA, all kind of stuff. Well, he came and spoke to the Cowboys last year. He's a huge Cowboys fan and he lost his voice. Oh, wow. So he was a rapper. Oh. And at the time back in, I don't want to mess up the timeline here, but let's say early nineties, late eighties, kind of around that area when that, that group was popping off, um, ice cube, all those guys, but he was like the next up and coming dude to like be right. the guy. The DOC, you hear you hear them talk about him in, in all of his raps, um, but he lost his voice in a car accident, um, you know. And so at the, he, he shares his testimony like, "Man, I, I can't ever rap again." But his testimony is like he made a pivot, and now he's producing and, and helping, and he's right alongside Dr. Dre. And so I encourage you, man, check out that he's got a documentary out. Um, I think it's called The DOC. Um, but it just, it's very, I mean, very similar to your circumstance. Obviously he, he, he had structural, like incredibly, like, he must've hit his, maybe his throat on a dashboard or something like that, or I mean, that's crazy. steering wheel, you know? So, um, but, uh, I mean, he, he never recovered, you know, but, um, you know, it's just, it, you know, people are, you're, you're reaching a lot of people that may be going through circumstances like that, whether it's another artist, um, that's facing the same, you know, issues or just fans, yeah. you know, and, um, it is hard, man, for you to go back home and, and everyone's always asking you the same oh, yeah. questions, you know, and and one of the things that really, you know, I, I thought about a lot sitting in this Bible study with you guys, because I'm in a Bible study where I'm not with my peers. I'm in a whole different, right. you know, realm, a different industry and a common theme within the group. The two times that I've been is like, you know, this music industry is so tough. It's it's, it's everyone, and everyone's chasing, everyone's running and and grinding and, um, but I remember Brian Fuller made a, a, a comment about like, when I go home, uh, one of the most backhanded comments that I get commonly, and this is not, um, you know, their fault at all, but it's like, man, I, I, I can't wait till you make it. Can't I wait till you make it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, man, I'm doing what I love. I did make it. Uh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not selling out Nissan or Bridgestone or on this massive sure. tour, but I am doing what I love and yeah. I'm pursuing. Um, and I want to go back you know, and share more of the story with you on how you got into music and, and prompted you to Nashville. You're not far away from, you know, you know, hometown Birmingham. Um, yep. But where did the, where did the dream uh, come alive for you with the music? Have you always been involved in, and uh, what prompted you to move to Nashville? Um, dude, sorry, I even around so much. I'm cold. Yeah, yeah, it's cold, man. You want me to sit on the heater? No, we're good, dude. You're good. We're all right. good. <laughs> it's just, cool. I'm sorry. If anyone's watching, if you see my legs jumping over here. Oh my gosh. Um, man. No, so I mean, my story started, my music story is kind of cool, I think. Uh, maybe a little different. Actually, not, I always think that it's different that I hear other artists, even country artists, even like Albert Elvie talking on here about his like hip hop influence and his background. So I hear country artists often talk about their, their rap background, and I'm like, I'm not that different. Yeah. So mine started in hip hop. Yeah. Um, no one in my family, my sister was in choir, but like I saw her being in choir. It's just me, my mom, my dad, my sister, and my immediate family. Yeah. Like my parents weren't involved in music. My mom's starting to play the piano now. Okay. Um, but like that wasn't a thing. My parents didn't play instruments. They weren't involved in music. Um, my parents are small business owners. They have in their whole life. They own a catering company. All of my aunts, uncles, cousins, like everyone in my family owns their own business back home. Okay. It's just come from a long line of entrepreneurs and hard workers. Yeah. Nothing involved in music. Uncle dabbling guitar. In terms, of, I'm just trying to say, like, in terms of people, like, in music, I didn't have any. Yeah. So, my parents uh, loved eighties music too, like, and like eighties rock or yeah, just yeah, like 80s uh, rock. 
And so like always saying like in other podcasts or bios or whatever, they're like, I was raised on my mom's Bon Jovi, my daddy's Boston. And like my mom was also listening to like contemporary Christian. Country was always on, but it was like maybe my uncle playing it, which he was a heavy influence in country, but it was always on in the background, whatever. But number one genre was definitely 80s rock for the majority of my upbringing. Early teenage years, maybe like 10 to 14, that's when like, I feel like Lincoln Park and like that oh, whole yeah, alternative yeah, yeah. was huge for me and my dad. Yeah. Like going to baseball practice, like that was what we were listening to. Yeah. But then dude, so my sister, she's four years older than me. And so when she was getting in high school, I was in middle school. Yeah. So when she was driving, she would drive me to middle school. Dude, she had this old like 90s model red Eclipse to two door. And we like had the most fun in that car. And so for her, she graduated high school in 2010. So like for her, this was like when mixed CDs were like the thing, Yeah. right? This is early Little Wayne, early Boosie, early Drake. Yeah. And I'm, you know, 12, 13, 14, and like, this is a whole new world. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. Yeah. My mom would like find it, me download it on the hypo, iPod. Like my mom would delete it. She'd yeah. get on to me. She'd crown me for it, dude. And like yeah. that made me love it even more. Yeah. But I was just so enamored with like rhymes and rhyme schemes and like things that I was hearing. So dude, math class, I was not doing math. I'm back there writing rhymes, right? The worst lyrics that 14 year old should have ever been writing, but yeah. I'm writing all these lyrics down and I was just like enamored with rhymes. I'd never heard anything like it. And dude, so probably like, like I said, 12 and 14, like I was gonna be a rapper yeah. in my head. Like <laughs> I really thought I was gonna be a rap artist. And then by like 14, 15, I quickly realized like, dude, I wear boots and blue jeans and like I'm into hunting and fishing and back roads and whatever, like probably not gonna be a rapper. Yeah. And so 15 rolled around and my parents were like, we should put you in guitar lessons. Okay. I was completely done with sports by 16, 15, 16. For one reason or another, I mean, it wasn't that great. Like, yeah. Not the podcast talk about how <laughs> awful I was at sports, but like, I just wasn't great at everything. Like, I was decent at football for the most part. I was a slot back. I was fast, but I wasn't big. Yeah. Um, but I was good at football. I was good at track. Absolutely trash at baseball. My parents got me in baseball way too long. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. Um, but even about like 14, I would be in the outfield just thinking about writing songs. Yeah. It's like in the outfield, like diddly dallied around, you know, like thinking about, I just want to be in the studio right now. Yeah. And so when I started getting lessons for guitar, that was it. It was over. Nothing else mattered. Like I took maybe three real lessons and, you know, lessons were once a week. Yeah. Um, Steve Rayborn was the guy who was teaching me. He was like, you know, here's three chords to learn this week. Come back next week. Yeah. We'll learn three more. Oh, I'd go home and be like, I need the other ones. I need the other ones now. Yeah. And like, I should have taken playing the guitar more serious. But when it got to the point of I can play and write now, that was it. Yeah. That was the tool for me to write songs. Yeah. And so it turned into guitar lessons to, oh, you have a mic? And what's that thing you record on? Can we start recording music? So I recorded my first song with him. That turned into like maybe having my own money from cutting grass or working construction. Yeah with my uncle all summer to being like, what mic is that that you have? And what's that thing you do record on? What software are you using? Now I'm buying it all myself yeah. and I'm recording in the house. And I'm putting out, like, dude, I hope no one ever hears them. But I was putting out like GarageBand or something yeah, like that? Yeah, gra well, Reaper was the, the thing that I still use. It was 75 bucks yeah. that I still have it. Yeah. Right? I still record on it yeah. if I do my own like demos or whatever. So super cheap stuff, but it was a whole new world, dude. Yeah. My friend at the time, Jace, he'd come over and we would just, we stepped till 3 a.m., 
drinking energy drinks and like, dude, record this, record that. Like, how do we make this Trumpy? Oh, I know this guy that plays the hole on the box. Like, call him over at 3 a.m. See if he'll play it. Um, that was like, that was it. That's all it took. Now, in terms of like, how did I get here? Um, my parents like, man, you should join choir. And I'm like, dude, you're crazy. You just have to understand like who I am at this time. I was like, dude, I'm, I'm trying my best to sneak out of the house at the time to like yeah. go ride back roads with my buddies. Yeah. Like, dude, I started drinking when I was like 14, yeah. right? Like I wasn't, I'm not saying I thought that's a good thing. No, just a little, little bit of uh, rebellious thing yeah, going on. I had a, I had a, for sure, like small town, Alabama country rebellious phase of like, yeah. me and my buddies were staying out too late, getting our truck stuck in mud, like whose older brother is going to buy a cigarette that night type thing. Um, and so my parents to be like, you're going to, you should join choir. I was like, I'm not a choir boy. My sister, like I said, she was in choir when she was in high school, show choir. Yeah. And her choir teacher loved her, man. She, her choir teacher was amazing. Her name's, her name's Miss Allen. And so I was like, you know what? Fine. Like, I'll go check it out. Maybe they could like help me in this whole singing thing. Yeah. So, I go to this choir teacher. She's like, we well, should audition from Nashville, which is show choir. I'm like, I'm talking, bro, sparkly fast, <laughs> dancing, like, on stage type thing. Yeah. It's not my vibe. Yeah. Another thing, too, was, like, to audition, like, you were supposed to have four previous years of choir, be able to sight read, and be able to match her on the piano, right? Yeah. She's like, come to auditions. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. I go in there. Okay, can you sight read? No, I can't sight read. Okay, have you been inquired before? Nope, never been inquired. She's like, okay. She's like, I'm going to play some things on the piano and we'll just see. And I guess I matched them okay. So they post, you know, audition, whatever it's called, yeah. whoever made it the next week. And my name's on the list. I'm like, <laughs> props to my sister. It had to yeah. be because she loved her so much because I don't know why I sort of been able to get in there. First or second year in, every year there's just going to be this big trip, field trip, where we go. As a group, we got to sing it somewhere like a baseball field or, you know, whatever this cool thing is in the city. I think we were supposed to go to Indiana, okay. go to a game, like an MLB game, sing on the field. That's like the pretty norm thing. And yeah. there wasn't enough people that could go, so we didn't have the money. And so they're like, we'll I have to do something closer. We'll go to Nashville. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, sick. Yeah, yeah. That's that's like it brought up my alley, you know, and like I'd never been. That felt like another world away, right? Even though it was only three and a half hours, like. I was 17, 16, 17. And so part of our field trip, actually, now that I think about it, we did some amazing things. Like I had to sing on the Aubrey stage with my choir class, wow. which was like, at the time, I don't even think I realized yeah. how cool that really was. Uh, we weren't allowed to take pictures or videos or whatever, but I guess if I ever do get to play the Aubrey, I can walk in there and say, this is my second song. Yeah. <laughs> now, the coolest thing about all that was her, my choir teacher, a really good friend, they were in a women's choir together. She was the vice president of marketing at the time at um, Universal. Okay. And so we got to go to Universal and we got to sit down. And this lady kind of says, like, for maybe an hour, here's how the record industry works. And I'm like, you know, just like soaking it in, like, dude, this is, I had no idea. Yeah. Like, I didn't know how record deals work. And you mean you can make money to write songs? Like, that was awesome. And so this lady, probably out of just thinking that no one would take her up on it, was like, oh, you know, if you have any more questions, Here's my email. Like, come visit sometime. Yeah. To a bunch of high schoolers, right? I'm like, emailing her the night we leave. I'd be like, hey, like, I'm coming back up here for this songwriters camp thing in six months. Can I come visit with you? She's like, sure. So I come visit with her. In the, like, walking in the office of Universal at 17, dude, 
every time I walked in, I thought, I'm going to get a record deal today. Yeah. You know? Like not knowing anything. And so the very first time I come and speak to my parents, we sit down and she's like, you know, I think if you really want to do this, maybe you should consider going to MTSU for music business. And I'm like, what's what's an MTSU? I don't even, yeah. I've never heard of Milton C. I've never heard of Murfreesboro. I'm like, yeah. for, for anyone that doesn't know, it's a city south of here. And MTSU is Middle Tennessee State University. From that point forward, dude, there was no other college. I didn't care. I didn't want to go anywhere else. Like, not even Belmont, nothing. How, we couldn't afford a Belmont. No, I mean, I, but, that but, is like, a, but Belmont, offer. for sure, Belmont, Belmont popped in the picture of like, we should just yeah. check it out. But like, couldn't, could not do Belmont. My parents, you know, like I said, they're, um, they own their own business. And like, I'm super blessed and super thankful that like, they worked their whole life to put enough money back. Sure. For me and my sister to go to school for four years. Yeah, yeah. But that was it. I was like, yeah, yeah. you get four years, dude, like that's it. Yeah. But it still was like, well, they, they couldn't do Belmont. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which, like, I know a ton of people that went to Belmont and I still have like acquaintances at Belmont's campus. The reason I mentioned that, because I don't ever hear, I hear being downtown, obviously, I hear more of the Belmont route. For sure. I never hear the MTSU route. Well, dude, no. like, just not in a negative way at all, but like, MTSU is where you go. To do what you can do at Belmont if you can't afford your Belmont. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. I mean, it's like significantly yeah, right. cheaper and the degrees about the same for sure. music and business. Yeah. So, I mean, there are perks to being in Belmont. Sure. And being on Music Row. Like, yeah. You know, the Rolodex of, for sure. of people. No doubt. Have, yeah. So, if you're an MTSU student like I was and you want to be in that group, yeah. you just drive up here every day. Sure. Which to me was like freedom, anyways, yeah. to leave Murfreesboro and drive up here. And like, I had yeah. an internship up here yeah. my senior year at a publishing house, too. So, like, it's all what you make of it, right? But, Anyways, I went to MTSU for music business, and anyone that is in Belmont or MTSU will tell you this, that, like, that degree is a piece of paper that will get you nowhere unless you are networking your ass off, yeah, yeah. not to cuss, but, yeah. um, yeah, I'm still flawed, you know. No. Um, <laughs> God bless you. Yeah, but um, I took advantage of my time at MTSU with the people that I met. Yeah. Had amazing professors who were great mentors to me and gave me awesome opportunities in this industry. Yeah. Um, I took advantage of every co-write that mm -hmm. I could get, and I took advantage of every single thing I could get my hands on in, in Nashville. I was a part of a group in MTSU called CMA 18. It's, it's CMA, like little, real CMA's collegiate organization on campus, okay. and they provided amazing opportunities like for volunteer work. Do you want to come volunteer working the red carpet for the CM Awards? Yes, I do. And so I was like the, the PR runner yeah. for Chris Young, yeah. doing CMA or whatever. Um, I said yes to everything I can get my hands on. Like I said, I had an internship at a publishing company, so I got to learn all about how does songwriting really work. Um, and then this is the other part of that story. While I'm in college around junior year, I was looking for another job. I was already in one job, like odd in job doing, I was actually working after school care, one-on-one -on -one special needs at the wow. time. Okay. Um, and then I was doing the internship and then my normal school stuff, but I really was like interested in marketing. I loved content, I still love content. Yeah. But I loved everything about marketing. I was already in marketing classes for music business and regular, my minors in marketing. So I was like, dude, I've got to find a job that's like creative. Like I need something that's just going to teach me something more. And so I ended up finding a part-time position with Red Bull, not in college. And it was like the best thing I ever did. I mean, like they taught, they, they gave you, college students their full index of here's how we operate yeah. and i was like this is sick yeah. and like red bull is a 
and yeah, everyone can think like, well, yes, they're an energy drink company, but they're a marketing company. Yeah. And so I was like, this is the coolest thing that I've ever been a part of. And so I was going, I was ending my senior year with, I'm in this publishing company, I'm learning the ends of, uh, and then the ins and outs of music business. And I'm at Red Bull, and I'm learning the ends out of like brand and marketing and business. And so Red Bull offered me a full-time job before I ever graduated. Like, we know you're graduating, you know, I had to like interview, whatever. Yeah. But I got the position and they offered me the role, I think like two weeks before I graduated. I think I graduated on May 8th and I had to be in Birmingham May like 13th, something crazy like that. Like I had a week and a half yeah. to move to Birmingham. And that was a huge decision because I never wanted to leave the city. Yeah. Uh, to me, like, even though I was 22 at the time, I'm like, that's a big deal to get a job at a company like that. Yeah. It still felt like in my heart I was giving up on my dream. Looking back now, it's awesome because like COVID hit right after this pretty much. I got I went full-time in 2019. I was less than a when COVID came around. The music industry died yeah. for two years in COVID. Yeah. So the two years that I missed, it's like I was never even gone. Yeah. My goal was if my manager that I originally had here ever left, I wanted to take her job because I was like, I want to be back to Nashville. I love this job. I love what I do with this job. And again, like I'm learning all about marketing and I'm taking it for myself too, yeah, you know, like yeah. not to take advantage of them, but like I'm learning things for myself as my own career. Yeah. So like I said, 2021 around, actually dude, 2020, the job popped up, I applied for it and they told me, no, I didn't get it. 2021 rolled around, the job opened up again. I was like, I'll go for it again. I applied for it and got it and I moved back up here. So still to this day, I still work full time okay. for Red Bull. Yeah. Um, which has been a blessing in disguise that cool. I never knew it was gonna be because yeah. like, dude, I can't hit the road right now. Yeah. And make money as a touring artist with my voice. I'm lucky and I'm super blessed that I do make some money from streaming. It's not a lot. Like yeah. for anyone that doesn't know, like artists don't make a lot from streaming. Yeah. Unless you're like, you know, Morgan Wallen or something, but I do make money from streaming, but it's not enough to be like, I can quit my job. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like having that full-time job has been a major blessing in disguise, not only for like what I've learned. I get to learn every day for like the biggest marketing company in the world. Yeah. For like how to market myself, how to market content, whatever yeah. it is. But also like, dude, it's been able to, for, it's been the reason I get to chase my dream job, which is music. Yeah. Without having to do a broke while doing it. Yeah. And then like, I'm ranting right now. So sorry if I've gotten off track for it. Oh, you're good, man. If there's any other questions that you had in the middle of all that, I mean, I can. No, I, I just think it's, uh, I think the the perspective that I have of you and the perception is like, you got your head on, on right. As far as like you take advantage of opportunities and even going back to the choir boy thing, sure. joining the, the, you know, the school choir. I mean, that was something obviously way on the other end of the spectrum from what you were doing at the time but you took that chance you did it and uh maybe kudos to your sister for giving you the nudge you know but uh i mean look at the doors that have opened up from something that you didn't want to do and that and that happens with a lot of us there there are doors that open up all the time that we do not want to walk through and 90 percent of the time we walk away we shut that door and we say we're going to go somewhere else um, but that 10% of the time that you do it, it, it leads to like incredible things. Like for me with football, my dream was always the NFL, yeah. but I had to play in, you know, uh, the UFL, the arena league. I even did like some semi-pro stuff back in Bellingham, 
with a group of hodgepodge of dudes like in their 40s and 20s and third like it was just awesome. this mix of like just people that love ball for sure and i had to do those things to keep myself relevant i still love to play but at the end of the day sometimes i was embarrassed to to go out and practice yeah. or, or go play in that league and because again it, everyone knew my dream was the nfl when you when you're not to where you want to be you know sometimes you have you know a little uh embarrassment deep down of you going different routes and but at the end of the day those are all opportunities and platforms so you get to the next level and so i mean i had i was like man i have no shame dude i i made in the in the arena football league arena two league in the tri-cities we would get paid a hundred bucks a game and if you won you got an 80 dollars bonus dang dude. we were we were living in like a, a, a motel six we were living on food stamps so like you know, this was in the Tri-Cities in, in Washington State. Wow. So shout out uh, Tri-Cities Fever. But, bro, we were sacking up two of us in a tiny hotel room on little, like, nasty single beds. Rough. And roughing it. And this is, like, worse than college life. For sure. And then we were on food stamps where we would go, like, all right, the coach would be like, all right, uh, man, we got Little Caesars this week. So, man, here's your food uh, coupon. You go pick up Little Caesars or or here's Golden Corral or or Hometown Buffet. And, like, at the time, dude, I had, like, I made 100 bucks. We went and made 80, 80 bucks on top of that. And we had housing paid for for the season and food stamps. So at the time, I was like, man, I guess I'm doing all right. But I was playing ball. I was doing what I love. It kept my name acclimated. It kept, I was meeting people. I was networking. So it, it sounds like, man, like, Dude, bro, you were like taking advantage of the networking because it is huge. Yep. Like for me at the time, uh, I was posting everything on YouTube. I was posting everything on Facebook, networking with coaches and guys on teams. And bro, it was because of that network and Facebook and me just like pimping myself out all the time. And people were probably sick of me seeing like workout videos or highlight videos. But bro, one Sunday morning, I'm sitting on my couch watching the NFL where I want to be. And I get a DM from one of the punters on the team. He's like, bro, our, our long snapper just got hurt in practice. Can you send your film uh, to our coach? I've seen your film on Facebook. And oh. he don't know me. Right. He just knows me because there were acquaintances on Facebook. Yeah. And, bro, I called that coach up. I'm like, hey, Coach Al Roberts, you don't know who I am, but I'm Matt Overton long snapper. He's like, who? He's like, ah, I just got my your number from Todd Sauer on the punter. I heard your snapper went down. Uh, I'm gonna, can I, is there any way that I can overnight my DVD, like highlight film to you? Gave me an address, sent it out. But bro, like, talk about small world. Al Roberts played for my grandfather in college. Oh. So I looked up Al Roberts on, I look, I just looked up his bio and he said he played at University of Puget Sound. I'm like, oh. I said, mom, this dude played at UPS. What, when did, when was Papa there? Timeline fit the timeline, my and I hit my uh, papa. My papa, do you remember Al Roberts? Like, yeah, I remember Al Roberts. I haven't heard that name in forty years, and it was like the most surreal moment. I'm like, dude. Well, anyway, long story short, that's so crazy. I I get to play for Al Roberts that year. Sending my DVD, I flew out to Florida like oh. two days later, got signed, and it was like the most like just the god moment. That's what I was about to say the whole time. That's like just think, so like, like what are the what are the chances yeah. that I would get to play for one of my grandfather's former players yep. like 40 years later so sick you know and and that was the start to really that was the opportunity that i needed to keep my name even in the realm of the nfl like yep. it got my name out there i got experience and three years after that i i finally signed and and you know made made an nfl roster 
Uh, so it's just crazy. But like, I, I reflect on my time, like grinding out, just like living paycheck to paycheck, odd end jobs. Um, but bro, I was just, like I said, I was pimping myself out, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's awesome. I mean, yeah. you actually hear that story a lot from people in major league sports. Yeah. I feel like I've never heard, and I'm sure there's other people that have sure. been on a similar path as you, but like, I've never heard anyone in NFL say that or MLB or like whatever, right? Like, it's, it seems like, yeah. and maybe it's just because like I'm on the outside of that world. And like, yeah. many people that are outside of music think that's the same thing. Like, they, they look at a superstorm, like, oh, they just, it just happens. But like, yeah. I've never heard of it. Yeah, they hear they players. hear the stories of going to USC, Alabama, sure. straight to the NFL. Like, yeah, and like I'm from Bama, so like yeah, that's yeah, like I had to go the long way around. That's cool. You know, every every pit stop was just a major blessing and platform to get to the next step. You know, yeah, and your story's cooler for that. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying it made you appreciate it. You know, obviously, and been through a lot, but yeah, I was a 27 year old rookie in the NFL when everyone else was 22. Yeah, I think in those certain situations, and I've been trying to like tell myself this lately, because like it, it has been like you know. It's easy to get down yeah. on, on a million reasons, like not just because of my vocal situation, but like I've heard other artists on your podcast talk about too, like it's a cutthroat town. Yeah. Right? This whole entire town's built off of rejection. Yeah. You can't come here without being told no. Yeah. It doesn't matter who you are. Yeah. But like what I've been trying to remind myself is that like I should be proud of sticking it out for myself. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's people that believe in me when I don't. Yeah. Like if it wasn't for them, maybe I would never be here. Yeah. So like I even told my dad like maybe two weeks ago when I was really the last week has been like the most hard on this whole situation, which is crazy because like, you know, you just saw my reel from the week before I was like, I'm good. I'm good. And then it's like, I guess the devil heard me. I was like, are you sure? Oh yeah. He comes. To yeah. So like the last, the last seven days I've been like struggling with it. But like yeah. to say a lot to say is like, sounds like in your situation too, it's kind of like, I don't know, a testimony to be like, Dude, this sucks right now. This is hard right now. I'm, you know, I'm making a hundred bucks a game or whatever. Like, it's a testimony to that. I still love this enough to do that. You know, because I think some people, it is like I love this, and I think they might really love it. But if it doesn't work out like that, then it's I'm done. I'm good. And I think the fact that when you're faced with adversity or a certain situation or rejection or you know whatever, like you said, taking the long way around, it's like. I think it just proves something to yourself to say, oh, I really do care about this. Because it's easy to doubt. No, it's easy to find yourself in times of adversity saying, I don't know if this is it. Yeah. But then to be able to say, but I'm still going to try. Yeah. I think it's it's, an, it's cool to be like, well, I care enough to like really see this through. Yeah. That's what I keep trying to tell myself. It's like, no matter what the situation is, if the outcome or what I'm being told, it's like, no, I still care about this enough to give it a shot, even if it looks different from how everybody else is doing. Yeah. I mean, you just got to keep showing up. And I think... One of the biggest lessons I learned throughout my journey, like my dream was to make it to the NFL. I did that. But then my dream was to stick around for a little longer. You know, I did that. Then the dream was, you know, let's try to get to 10 years. And I did that this past season. So it was like, looking back, all those accomplish accomplishments are great. Um, you know, even if football ends right now, I'm still trying to play. Um, I am so blessed and grateful for all the experiences. But I, I, I look back on where was the shift where you know i was getting better i was improving i was making these strides it was all about dude i was seeking help yeah like i was i i dude i was joining gyms where i knew nfl guys were training it'd be the yep. same like hey where are the best writers yep. at absolutely i'm looking for that room to be in and i had to be around because i came from a small division two school it was not the norm to go to the nfl so i wasn't around like-minded people where you know, this is how you get there. Yeah. Like I had, I was just like 
finding anyone. And there was so many people along the way that I was so blessed to come across that helped me at some point, whether it was an agent or a trainer or a, a, a peer of mine who was in the league, but I would just go seek those places. I need to be around guys. I need to see how they work. I need sure. to see how they function, how they train, how they prepare. I need to be in that mindset. Um, because when I came out of Western Washington, I went to my first NFL minicamp with the Seahawks. And dude, when I walked in that room, I immediately felt like I didn't belong. Absolutely. I wasn't good enough. I'm, I'm starstruck, dude. Yeah. It's like Lofa Tatupu, Sean Alexander, Matt Hassel, like all these big time names that I was watching every Sunday. I'm like, now I'm in the same locker room and I was just like overwhelmed with the stress, the pressure, and I didn't do very well at all. Um, so I had to seek that help. And I think one of the most important things when we're trying to chase a dream is we can't do it alone. You can't do it. You got you to gotta surround yourself with people who are just so much more better than you. And it's intimidating it sometimes. Don't, don't get me wrong. Um, but, man, those people sharpen you. Even if you don't even talk to them, just, if you, just observing somebody, how they write, how they snap, how they train, how they run. Like, just take those mental notes. And, I, I mean, I just, like, soaked it all up. And I'm so grateful that I had the courage to do that. Yeah, I don't know where that came from. Um, but man, I just got out of my comfort zone and I just went out and just trained with whoever I could and, and try to surround myself with people who were there yeah. where I wanted to get to, right. you know, um, when it comes to you, like currently or within the past recent years, since you've been to Nashville, uh, like who have been some major mentors or influences for you while you're chasing this dream, man? Yeah. And, and, and chase, and you're living it. Yeah. I, I, I want to set that. That's that's straight because you are living it, man. You have you've put out songs, you you've you've played on stages, like you've done it. So I don't wanna I don't wanna take that no, away I mean, from I'm you. Still right? chasing it for sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think I we you said this earlier and I heard you one other guest talk about the whole like chasing it versus living it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. To a certain degree, I think thirteen year old me right now would be like mind blown. Yeah. And I mean like Let's I'm, get rid of that word chase. Right. Living it. I think there's certain things that Maybe even myself right now can't comprehend that's happened. Yeah. Not where I want to be. Right? Yeah. Like, stuff super high ambitions, but sure. I think I am in a spot where sometimes I have a hard time living in the present. Yeah. Yeah. But as do I. Every now and then, when I finally can, I'm like, this has been really cool. I've done things I never thought I was going to do charting and streams and helping other people and like the following that I've amassed and whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's been. I am living part of what I always wanted to do. Yeah. Um, just living in the city is part of it, right? Yeah. Being able to survive here yeah. is something that I thought I was going to do. Yeah. But when it comes to influences and mentors, man, like, the, I'll, I'll be honest, like, I have people that I look up to in the industry yeah. in terms of artists and writers that are, like, I guess, influences. But, like, when it comes to people that have, have made a impact on my career, I would say there's a few yeah. in the industry but I think the majority of them are not yeah. in the industry, just being honest. Yeah. Um, but people in the industry, and I think that, like I said, my, my choir teacher was, dude, if I would have never came on this field trip, I'd never be here. Yeah. But like the lady that I said met with me at, at Universal Records, for the next five years, she would meet, me with, meet with me whenever I wanted, yeah. even when I was in college. Yeah. I'd bring her songs, and she'd say, these suck. These are not good. All up until the point where I kept bringing her songs, and she was like, Starting to sound like an artist, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. And she was she was a good mentor to me. I had a professor in college. Her name's Amy Macy. She spent 20 years in the record industry. She was a touring artist before. She was in the record industry, and she was an amazing mentor. I, I'm probably not thinking of people that have made a major difference, but genuinely mean this when I say it. Like, 
dude, not my family. Yeah. Like, like I said, my, my whole family, for the most part, are entrepreneurs and small business owners back at home. I've watched my whole family, my whole childhood just cry. Yeah. So my parents are in their 50s. They still wake up the crocodile. They work hard. <laughs> they're caterers. Yeah. They're in their busy, busy season right now. They will be until New Year's. Yeah. Dude, they're doing double weddings a day. They're going to be doing Thanksgiving parties and Christmas parties. And like, they could retire. They, they say they can't retire, but like, they could retire if they wanted to. Yeah. They just, they're not ready yet. But like, they cry. Dude, my sister, she's a hustler. Like, not all my family members. Like, I think that I have this like built in desire to like, just be driven and like make something of my own and like like yes i have a, I, like i said i'm i couldn't be more blessed to work for the company that i work for yeah but did i want to do my own thing yeah it's just in my blood like yeah you know i have other aspirations and dreams to like i want to build my own brand which i've like been slowly working on behind the scenes like outside of myself but like the, the biggest mentors i've ever had in my life have been my parents my sister and my aunts and my uncles yeah. like they're the ones that have pushed me when i feel like i'm doubting myself and like they're the ones that I've watched my whole life, like cry. Yeah. When things have come their way, and like maybe they have a slow year, like, and it's all like, you know, my whole family. I have a major Christian background. Like, when times got tough for anyone in my family, like they were fine mm. because they followed their faith in God and like they pulled through. Yeah. You know, like my parents, I guess they're they're hustlers. They've worked for what they've had, but like they've got what they've got because they've given all back to God and like He's blessed them for that. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not discrediting anyone in this town or in this industry that's like ever given me good advice. But like, I don't have a person in this industry right now that's like, I got your back, bro. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull you up. Like, yeah, yeah. if anything, it's kind of the opposite for me right now. Yeah. I, have, I have no bad taste in my mouth whatsoever towards this town. It's a cutthroat town. Yeah. But like, I've, I, say this and um like i with the story i'm going to share is like it put a chip on my shoulder for a while and i've quickly got over it and if anything it like helped me have a chip on my shoulder like i know for a hundred percent fact like i get left out of certain conversations in this town because i have a full-time job and so it's like i know that i have this view that like i have a crutch that maybe like i don't need this as much as everybody else because I'm not the starving artist in town eating rice and peas. I only said that to say because I was told to my face this year, and I won't say his name because like he doesn't know the circumstances, like my vocal thing. I'm like, dude, I can't hit the road and make money yeah. as a touring artist right now. Like I hate strength told me like, you'll never make it as long as you have this crutch. And, I, and he was referring to me having a full time job. But why, why, why would he ever tell you that it's a crutch? Because I. Whole, you know, again, he doesn't know the search, the situation, sure, yeah, yeah. My, like physical. Yeah, I, I tried for a while to hide that because I didn't want people in the industry to like, we shouldn't take a risk on this guy. Like, like why? Because it's wishy washy, you know, maybe what? maybe we don't know like how the vocal situation is going to play out. Okay, yeah, you know, as a songwriter, it doesn't matter. I just don't, yeah, yeah, all day. but as an artist, you know, I just didn't want people to know. Now I own it, and I'm like, this is part of my story, dude. And it's like yeah. part of where I'm at. Yeah, maybe that publisher didn't know that. Yeah, but like, straight up told me, like. He tried to play this off and like he worked for it. Again, I have no demise towards this guy. He was like, you know, best songs come from a place of desperation. Dude, the, at the lowest point of my life where I was like legit having thoughts and not want to be alive anymore, I had a full-time job. Yeah. 
life was good. <laughs> I had the girlfriend, the boat, the dog, the house. Like that's yeah. That's so a, like that's I, a strange. But I've been told it more than once about really my job being like a distraction or just like the, the crutch. So like I'm not all in. Yeah, it's just so. I mean, so and I'm not saying everyone in the town views me that way. Well, I know, but I, I just feel like that's so such weird a reaction to well, somebody having like, a job. I, I get it when it's like I have friends, right? Like that I write with, I have co-writers. Yeah, their only source of income is to like hit the road. Yeah. So like, yeah, when they sign deals, or whatever, I'm super stoked for them because like, dude, they don't they don't have to hit the road. Yeah. To make money to pay rent. Yeah. But like, there's no difference for me. I don't have to hit the road. Yeah. To make money to make rent. I'm sorry, I'm like down this rabbit hole again. If I keep asking about my mentors, no, like, no, it, I just think it's very interesting, man, because I've never heard kind of that perspective and that that encounter. Well, dude, I don't ever talk about having a full time job, yeah, ever. Yeah, like the majority of people that are in, that, in our Bible study, yeah. which by the way, that Bible study is the best thing I've ever joined in my life. I don't, I don't bring it up to anyone in there either. Like I, I, I've learned my lesson to not tell people because it's like it's better for me to be viewed as a part of that industry than to not. But yeah, yeah I get, I, I don't mean, know. I guess I sort of see a little bit of it. I don't but... know if you've met Jason Cruz, the pastor that he was, he spoke in our small group once and then he was actually there last week. Okay. There. okay. He's a pastor in Franklin okay. and he had a, he was a, he was a freaking professional hunter on TV. He wrote, I actually have the Bible in my backpack, the sportsman's outdoor Bible. Okay. He did all, all professionals right. for it. Yeah. But dude, I got lunch with him last week. Yeah. Amazing guy. Yeah. You should, you should, should link up with him. Yeah. He's just an awesome, got an awesome story. I told him the same thing that I'm telling you right now. And he made me feel way better about it. I was like, dude, what are you talking about? Like, you have such a cool story that like you get to live a different story than everyone else because you get a different perspective on how you view yourself as an artist. Because like I do view my music in a business mindset yeah. because of the business that I'm in, because my parents are business owners. Yeah. He made me feel a lot more confident to own like my story of, no, I do work in marketing yeah. full time. And that has nothing to do with whether or not I deserve a shot in this industry anyways. The only reason I ever got the job with him was because I moved up here, yeah. you know, for this. But it doesn't take away your drive and your hunger for, sure. for succeeding. It doesn't, I don't, I think the thing that, the only thing that puts a chip on my shoulder at times when I'm like, me having a full-time job doesn't take away whether I'm better or not better than the person that I'm in a room with. Yeah. Like, I think it, me maybe ever getting a publishing deal, I'm fully independent. If I ever get a publishing deal, I hope it's not based on the fact that I have a job or not. Yeah. It's based on the fact of like, you're an awesome writer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. I mean, I had sat with Walker Hayes, man. Dude, the dude was working at Costco full-time while he was chasing his dream. And he had to. I mean, it was. I, did, I have to. Yeah, what's that? I have to. Yeah, 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 yeah. And a lot of people do. I don't yeah. understand why there's such a negative outlook on people well, like having other job. I mean, what if somebody's bar backing on during the week? For some reason, I still view the same way. I don't know why. You know, like what? Because it's a common thing. I yes. I don't know. Well, it's funny because the pastor Jason, he said the same thing. He was like, "The funniest thing about this town is that there's no one path to success, yeah. right? But they want there to be this common thread. Of, yeah, you got to move here and have walk the line and do and like yeah. struggle." And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. Like, dude, I did that in college too. Yeah. My little, like, I slept on my buddies for in yeah. college when I was not living in one place on an air mattress. Yeah. There was nothing in the house. Like, yeah. That's part of everyone's come up is the struggle, or whatever. But yeah. I have recently learned that owning my part of the story is my part of the story. Well, you should, man. Take ownership of it because it's your story. You're doing great things through it. Um, 
I mean, Red Bull is obviously offering you incredible opportunity no learning from one of the mass biggest. I mean, it's a worldly recognizable brand. I mean, it's global, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So to have that opportunity, I mean, it's incredible. So don't take, don't be ashamed of that. Yeah, and I mean, I'm definitely not for that for that side of it. Like, yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah. I've just always felt weird about it, like living this other thing versus now being like, oh, that's just my thing. Yeah. It's just part of my thing. And like, sorry, if I'm running, if I get this close on time, you just tell me to shut up. We're good, and, man. Um, that job's been the big, one of the biggest blessings to ever happen in my life. Yeah. Like I said, for my vocal thing or for whatever else, sure. from learning or just whatever, the people that I did, I've met more people in the music industry from Red Bull that I have from all the nights I spent networking in Live Oak, yeah, yeah, yeah. right, yeah. shaking hands near the songwriters around. So yeah. it's just, it's a blessing from God and it's part of my thing. This episode is sponsored by the Stay Ready brand because why not? I'm going to sponsor myself until somebody else does. To get your hands on some sweet hats, t-shirts and all stay ready related merch visit mattovertonbrand.com now back to the episode it was actually a, a really good pause because we need to shut the doors get everything inside because it's cool us bro it was 80 Dude, i think that just started warming up too it was eight, i just turned the heater on but it was 80 degrees uh, over the weekend and now it's like 35 so like 48 dude in a 48 hour difference yeah it's very cool unbelievable yeah so uh thanks for the zoom yeah, dude, little bit, man um, yeah, I, uh, I mean, not to... What are you throwing, one or two of these? I'm going two in the upper okay, deck, cool. dude. Okay, same. Um, to, uh, Sorry, Mom. Cut off the story. You don't mind if I take two? I'll... Did you can have them? I'll refill you. Down I don't know. You just keep that. I, 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 have, I have enough cans downstairs. <laughs> um, but, dude, I got on Zins, um, because I used to be... I was never really, like, a Copenhagen guy. I got so... Oh, I got so sick in high school. Uh, I thought I was one of the cool kids. Like, hey, let me get a dip, bro. And of course, throw a big one in and, and got the spins and just like threw up everywhere. And then I'll never forget, I was at, I think it was a freshman year in high school, went to the varsity football game on Friday night. And we're all kind of in the end zone where everyone's just kind of chilling, watching the game. And uh, no one had long cut, um, but they had snuff. Mm -hmm. uh, you know what snuff is? They're really refined, yeah. like yeah. gritty. So I took a pinch of snuff and it went all over my mouth. Like I couldn't keep it contained in one area. I got so sick. I'm like, I'm never doing that again. And then when school came out with like pouches, it was like the first thing. This yeah. was like early 2000s. Pouches came out and school uh, berry came out. Oh, that sounds good. And I went to visit my buddy in college in, in Santa Cruz. I'm from California. Originally, that's where you're born and raised? Yeah, oh, born and raised cool. in Northern California. Nice. And we got Skullberry pouches, and I put that thing in, and dude, I, I of course, we're probably consuming some adult beverages, but got so sick, I never did it again. And then fast forward, got in really big into Redman. Oh, yeah. Oh, so I'm just Redman. I've had that so long. Honey blend, or the golden blend. Golden blend. and uh, But it started staining my teeth, and you know, my wife was in particular uh, a fan of that and all that kind of stuff but i would only do it like when i'm fishing when i'm outside on the boat yeah. like needed it and it was more of a social thing um and then dude like zins came out probably in like 2020 uh, at least from what i remember and i was playing with the titans and our kicker uh steven goskowski at the time he would always bring him out to practice he's like hey man what is in zen three a little cool myth sure i'll pop one in i'm like oh, that's so cool 
And then uh, I didn't get heavily too far into it until like this year, dude. Like, went and bought a can of threes. Was doing one pouch, then one pouch turned into two, two pouches turned into three at a time. I'm like, oh, dude, threes, nothing. My buddy had a six at one of our training sessions, threw in a sixer. I'm like, oh, dude, I need sixes. So I went in hardcore on sixes, and then um, I went out to California again for a training session. And I went to a 7-Eleven. I'm like, man, did you uh, give me like a Zen 6 wintergreen or cool mint? And he's like, hey, man, we hate to tell you this, but we can't sell any flavored tobacco, vapes, nothing oh, yeah. in California. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, oh, just, you know, Gavin Newsom doing this, doing this thing. So uh, all they had was uh, smooths and chills. So I took a, a chill and, and it was like unflavored, but it was like a little hint of mint in it or something. So I've been, I've been like hooked on the Zen six smooths ever since coming back from California. And uh, dude, I go two upper deck, sometimes three. I've done four at a time, four sixes at once. And I'm just like, my wife knows I'm addicted to Zins. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Dude, I mean, I started Devin, I was like 14, 15, yeah. 20, I just turned 27 yeah. this month. Yeah. And, dude, I've, I've tried quitting so many times. Yeah. You know, I, I, I mean, Chris Wintergreen's in my favorite. Mm-hmm. Copenhagen long cut. You know, right before you get all the way to snuff. Yeah. Gold top. Yeah. My favorite. Yeah. I love it, dude. Yeah. And, like, my dad dips, too. Yeah. And he's dipped my whole life. Yeah. So, and all my friends dip. Yeah. I love it. Like, I don't want to quit. Yeah. That's why I keep telling them, I don't want to quit. Yeah. And so, but I know how bad it is for you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I already have all these other vocal issues going on, obviously. Right. And so, like, a week ago, and my girlfriend is just like, you should stop, you should stop, you should stop. Sure, sure. And I'm like, okay. Like, I have all these other health health issues. Like, I need to quit tobacco, but, like, I don't want to quit nicotine. Yeah. I love it. Right? That sounds so terrible to say that, but, like, I love it. And so, like, you know, I'm, I've seen everyone do Zins and whatever, and I'm like, God. I've tried Rogue before. Yeah, I haven't tried anything other than Zins and Lucy's. Um, I haven't heard of Lucy's, but I tried Rogue in the past and like whatever. I'll go try Zins. So I bought the light blue, whatever it is. Yeah. Okay, dude. I put in two of the sixes. Look, like I said, I've did my whole for like 12 years. I put in two sixes. This is the last week. I've only been doing Zins for a week today. It was like that. I felt it. Yeah. I haven't even felt something from Div yeah, yeah, yeah. in years. Yeah. I'm like, Yo, yeah, these are strong, dude. Yeah, yeah. Like I have two around. I can feel it right now. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, the only thing I don't like is that like I think I'm so used to like having a big dip yeah. in my lip and like I can keep it in for like 30, 40 minutes an hour. Yeah. And I feel like these are like a quick nicotine hit. Yeah. And happens so fast. Yeah. My problem is that like as soon as it's gone, dip I want one of them. Yeah, yeah. And like, what is there, fifteen pouches in there? Yeah. I could dip this can in six hours. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, like. I can do it. I've been yeah. it for a week. I'm like, if I can do this for a week and it's good, like I can get off tobacco. Yeah. It's not my goal. Yeah. Like I want to be, I'm trying to be a little bit more health conscious. Yeah. I have a terrible diet still. I'm trying to work on that. But like, I'm trying to make better health decisions. Like sure. now drinking has been a huge one. Like, I think I'm about to go on eight months. In the past eight months, I've, the most alcohol I've had is a half of a shot of tequila in the last eight months. And like, great. dude, I started drinking when I was 15 too. Yeah. So like, I mean, I started all those bad habits um, very early on. I think I just, I do, I remember, I don't even know how old I was. I had to have been like under 10. And um, I lived with my mom predominantly um, when I wasn't with my dad. 
And I just remember, dude, I was, it was during the summer, I was so thirsty. And there was like, the Kool-Aid was gone. There was no Crystal Light. There was no Pops or sodas. All there was, was like a Bud Light. And dude, I cracked that thing. It was disgusting, but I drank it. And I remember hiding it, hiding the can like upstairs, like behind like a window curtain. Yeah. And uh, I just remember, and then, you know, high school obviously went through my phase of heavily drinking. Probably smoked my first cigarette in like sixth grade. Yeah, same. Um, I just remember, we took a we took a field trip um to san francisco and we were probably in the seventh grade we, we went to chinatown and in the gift shop they had these uh glass capsules and inside was a it was a, like a marble red and a strike anywhere match and on the glass it said break in case of emergency it was like we thought that was like the coolest thing so obviously we couldn't go buy that at the counter <laughs> My buddy Mike stole like, like just took 20 of these things, pocketed them, word got around that he stole them. So he went out to like the, the Chinese garden, like threw them under like a, a bush. And I remember walking over there and like the stack of uh, glass capsules there and I took one. And uh, I remember thinking I was so cool, dude. I had this glass, one cigarette, one striking over match in it. We went around the corner from like a, the middle school, broke the capsule like on the sidewalk, and we smoked this cigarette. I'm like, dude, if we smoked this cigarette on on the corner by the bus stop, like we were the cool. And this was like sixth or seventh grade. Yeah. And we had a friend's mom that was, she was a smoker, so we would go like, you know, into her stash and like, it, but she would smoke like Virginia Slims. Oh, oh my gosh, dude! That, and I remember like, we would spend. Every weekend we were at our buddy Ryan's house and it was like our home away from home. We would, my mom would always know where I was at if I wasn't home. I was as we spent the night. It was like the house where everyone just hung out. His parents were awesome. I remember when the parents were gone, like we would go out back, take a drag of a cigarette and we were so buzzed. Like we thought we were like the coolest cats on the street and we'd, we'd be giggling inside the house like little girls like. I'm so high. Yeah. Like we didn't know what we were Absolutely. talking about, you know. Yeah. But those those habits were, you know, introduced to me unwillingly. It wasn't like an influence by a, a, a bad friend sure. or yeah, just yeah. the social norm. Yeah. And um dude, I remember smoking a cigarette. It was so foggy out one day. So foggy. Like you couldn't even see like down the hallway. And I thought I I thought it was so cool. I lit up a cigarette right on campus in high school and I was smoking a cigarette that you couldn't even tell. Like it was so foggy, you couldn't even tell. And, but I was like creating these bad habits, obviously carried in drinking, yeah. experimenting with marijuana, that kind yeah. of stuff. But other than that, I got out of those, those, you know, ugly ways, you know, outside of college and thankfully so. But, um, like the Zins thing, like the nicotine, like my, my, my wife has always been so curious and like, you know, concerned, like, what is this for you? Is it bad for you? And and I've been doing more research on nicotine and I've I've noticed some some benefits from it. Yeah. Um I do like the way how it calms me down. Um and it's it's become like this norm in my life where I, I use it probably a little more than I should. I do notice that it, it disrupts my sleep. Um you know, if I if I have some Zen before, like within an hour before bed, that's probably my worst. A little, little restless at first. Yeah. Um, and the one thing I do hate about the nicotine 
Um, it's probably because I'm doing too much at once. Now, if small doses, probably way, way more, more better, better and beneficial for you. But I notice that if I, if I pop is in and then I have to spur the moment, have to go do something, whether it's work or with my kids or something, my stress and anxiety, like skyrocket. Okay, I'm so glad you just said that. Yeah. Like, dude, cause when you were talking about comedy, I was going to say it too, it's like, so many people I know, like all my friends, dip right for the most part. It's like they're the same way. They're like, when they're stressed, they get one. It's like, oh man, just like calm your nerves. I struggle with anxiety, like pretty yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting better. This year's been a major growth year for me. You mentally. take medication for it? No. Okay. Um, but like, uh, I mean, like, I struggle with it pretty heavily. And this year's been a way better year. But if I'm already anxious or something, yeah, it does not help me. Yeah, it does not calm me down. Yeah. Like if I'm in a stressful situation or I'm already nervous, if I'm nervous for sure, like yeah. butterflies, yeah. oh, dude, it enhances it. Yeah. I mean, it is a stimulant. Yeah. So like the whole idea that like people think that like smoking a cigarette or whatever, like calms their nerves, like that's a mental thing for sure. It's a stimulant. It definitely does not. Yeah. But like I feel it. Yeah. Like yeah. if I'm already like up and whatever, like, oh, it's magnified. Yeah. My friends don't feel that. Yeah. And like that was the problem with me for everything. So like same way with that you were saying like, I developed bad habits without knowing I was forming them. Yeah. Which then crossed over into maybe them turning into a like a um what's the word I'm looking for? Like an escape that I didn't even know I was taking. Yeah, yeah. Because I was the same way with like alcohol, marijuana, whatever, especially in college. And like I didn't realize probably until it was too late that like I'm using a lot of these things for an escape's not the word I'm looking for, like um a void feeling. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I like maybe I was trying to push off thinking about something else yeah. or like like I wasn't happy and so I was using it as a crutch or whatever yeah. and didn't realize it. Yeah. And so like, you know, some people anyone that's ever smoked weed or whatever, you know, it's like if something's funny, it's so much more funny. Mm-hmm. If something tastes good, it tastes so much better. Yeah. But for me it was like I was already struggling with anxiety and depression or whatever else. Yeah. Well it magnifies that too. Yeah. So it's like I was in a point where I was using substances it was making it worse yeah. and didn't even realize until it was too late. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it was, this was all about nicotine anyways, but like, yeah. Just no, but Brian, Brian on the podcast a, a few episodes ago, he was talking about, you know, anxiety and stress and all that kind of stuff. And, and he mentioned that it wasn't until a point where he realized that nicotine was actually like making it worse that he, yeah. he stopped Zen's being nicotine completely. And I get it. Like I, there's moments where, um, like I said, like if I if I can't just like the perfect situation with the Zen for me, the nicotine is like nobody's in the house. I know I have some time to spare. I can read. I can watch YouTube or something on TV or whatever the case may be. Watch a game. Sit sit by a bonfire yep. and and bro out. Um, but as soon like I said, as soon as something spur of the moment comes, bro, my anxiety is through the roof. Yep. I'm like I don't like this. You yep. know what I'm saying? So I'm trying. I'm learning. I know this is like a nicotine rant right now, but um, I'm I'm learning how to manage it a little bit better. Um, I've I've noticed now over the course of a few months, like the bad patterns. Yeah, sleep is one of them. Um, even before, like even if I go to the gym and go go train, if I do it beforehand, I feel like lackadaisical, um, a little like short winded. Yeah. Um, so I, I definitely have noticed those effects, but I'm still addicted. I know. It's, it's so crazy because you can see you're talking talk about all the bad things and then it's like, I'm still going to end up doing it. Man. Sure, man. Well, let's get off of our nicotine, um, uh, 
podcast for a second and go back um let's talk about uh your 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 walk and your faith yeah. and it, it seems like you come from an incredible family and strong believers and obviously you've, you've tailed off you've wandered like we all have and and um but sitting with you right now um you know we 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 come to know each other through bible study which is like we mentioned before an incredible community of of men um it's just cool for me to be in in a, a new room a new setting with uh different individuals different ages yeah uh, people in high school all the way to people in their 60s yeah. a lot of wisdom in there a lot of uh a lot of testimony jordan road does an incredible job leading that awesome, dude. um i would love to get him on the podcast you definitely should but man uh talk about your walk man how how has it been and and uh, you know where does where does Jesus come into play with with your life and and music and you know honestly being being in the space that you are where you're just surrounded by so many temptations yeah. we we talk about the word chasing yeah. um you know wanting more wanting the success um you know where does where does the faith come into play when it when it comes to chasing this dream I mean I think it comes into every single aspect of it and I haven't always made it yeah a part of every aspect of it like i'm trying to i'm trying to be extremely intentional about it more so now than i ever have in my life and now this year has been the largest growth year for me mentally and spiritually than my whole life combined that's great and, and that wasn't always the case yeah for sure i mean i still struggle with a lot of things but like if, if you would have met me six months ago yeah and we were sitting down now, you'd be like, bro, you're, I don't think you're the same guy I knew six months ago. Yeah. I'm not the same guy that I knew yeah. six months ago. Yeah. To the point where like, if I'm, I have a little bit of fear in me, like I never want to go back Yeah. to the person that I once was. And like my, my faith journey has had ups and downs and like everyone's has. And oh, oh dude, I'm an overthinker. Yeah. I mean, I, I overanalyze everything in my life. Yeah. And I, I'm an inconsistent human being with my thoughts and my emotions. Like I either have too many emotions at one time or I don't know how to analyze them or I overanalyze them. I've, I've doubted everything in my life yeah. from dreams to relationships to God. Like I mean, there was a point where like, I would think, I think there, I think there was a point where I was trying my best to like maybe figure out that God wasn't even real for a second. It's like, cause I was just so, lost dude and then like it's such a dark place like i said like a struggle with anxiety but there was a point where the first sure was in some depression and that started around senior year of college maybe and like i said i was experiencing like experimenting with things i shouldn't have been i was drinking too much i was smoking marijuana too much and like i just wasn't in a good spot and i think i had like all this chain effect of things that led up to this one moment of like the hammer came down you know, and I could, I could pinpoint the night for you and like give you a detailed version of when it all came crashing down to where, I don't know, bro. It was like a, something happened and it almost feels like I opened the door you know, and I let the devil in. And it was a six year run of trying to figure out how do I get the devil out? And that was this year. And like I said, so like I said, it's, I'm, just, I'm new into this new version of like accepting God's grace and love and forgiveness yeah and that's come from like a bunch of people in my life my parents never gave up on me you know the girl that i'm dating right now even the girl that i was dating before this girl like the people that i've surrounded myself with they never gave up on me yeah. in my spiritual walk 
and dude just hammered me with like, God loves you. God hasn't forgotten about you. Like, and in, in those six years, like it was really hard for me to accept that. And I'll tell you this, dude, without trying to get super deep, I had this turning point this year where I was already kind of like getting better with my faith being like, like do my best to accept God's love for me. That, that came from like Bible, Bible studies, getting back into church. And I come from a kind of crazy spiritual background. Like my dad's hardcore Catholic. My mom has spent the majority of her life as hardcore Southern Baptist. Now she's pretty much non-denominational. That was a crazy upbringing. Yeah. Like, no offense to my parents. Like, we're, they're pretty much growing up with, like, divorce on Sundays. One Sunday, me and my sister went to church with my mom. The next Sunday, we went to church with my dad. Yeah. They're not divorced. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But, like, that always made church weird for me and trying to figure out where do I go. Sure, sure, go. yeah. Yeah. Anyways, what I was struggling with was maybe accepting God's forgiveness of my past. Yeah. I was really struggling with, like, really a lot of guilt and shame yeah. over who I was. And I was like, my mistakes and my sins define who I was. Yeah. I'm always going to be this way. Those things that I hate about myself, that's who I'm always going to be. That was the devil in my ear saying, oh, yeah. this is who you are and you're always going to be that way. And it got to a point for me where, uh, dude, the amount of days that I spent bawling my eyes out, like in the, my parents' kitchen, like literally telling them word for word, like, I don't want to be here anymore. Mm-hmm. If this is how, if I'm going to feel the way I feel right now for the rest of my life, I don't want to live the rest of my life. I don't feel that way anymore. Thank God. I remember this was this year, dude. And maybe this was like July. At this time, I was like, I was going on walks every day. This park in Mount Joy, that's where I lived. I would pray for hours, dude, about my mental health. I'm like, I haven't suicidal thoughts. So like not want to feel this way, right? I literally told God, man, I don't know why I'm still going through this. But if this is like, if I'm ju- if I'm only going through this because it's going to be to help somebody else out in the future, so be it. Now, I still don't want to go through it. Yeah. But like, if that's the only reason, whatever. I don't even know why I said that at the time that I said it. I remember even praying that, being like, I don't know how to pray that. Skip forward two weeks into the future, right? I go home. I play um, hometown festival which was really cool because it was the first concert that I ever went to as a kid. Yeah. So it was a big moment for me. Uh, and this guy, I'm not going to say his name or my relationship to him because this conversation I had with him was in confidence. He hits me up on Sunday when I'm supposed to be heading back here. He just sends me a text and he says, hey man, can you come over before you leave? He shoots me this text and I immediately get this thought in my head. It's like, you're about to share everything you've ever been through in your deepest, darkest secrets to this guy. And my next thought was, that's crazy. No, I'm not. I'm never telling anybody anything, mm-hmm. right? I was like, that's so weird, dude. So I get in my truck to leave my parents' house, pull out of the driveway, roll the windows down. Thought hits me again. You're about to tell this guy everything you've ever been through in your deepest darkest secrets. I'm like, okay, God, like, I don't know where this thought's coming from. If it's from you, if I'm just having it, like, I don't know. Like, I'm super anxious now. Yeah. And I'm like, I do feel like for some reason I am about to pray with this individual. So like, can you please like let your Holy Spirit guide that prayer? Because I don't even know what I'm, I don't even know what I'm going to do here. Yeah. Right? And me. what is, what is your relationship with this individual? He's my cousin. Okay. Um, 
And so, again, this com conversation I had with him was like, both things we said, like he even asked like, man, like keep this between us. So sure, yeah. I can't share everything we talked about. But you had, you had uh, obviously your, your family. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so without saying all the things we talked about, he's like, I could tell he was kind of holding back a little bit yeah. in the beginning. And then he starts opening up a little more. Yeah. And then he says something and he's like, man, I, I can't even tell you everything that I want to tell you because you're going to think I'm crazy. And I was like, bro, there was nothing that you can tell me that I promise that I can't be when it comes to like shame yeah. and sin. Yeah. Uh, dude, I mean, like, I can't even explain to you word for word what this dude was going through to a T was every single thing that I've been struggling with yeah. for the last six years. Wow. In that moment, dude, I, I could feel that the darkness that I had on me, I felt it leave. So I even told him that in the moment, like, bro, this conversation was like a God moment of like healing for me. And like, I, I, when I started feeling those ways again, I mean, I felt it this week. I had those things on top of me this week and I, I remind myself of that moment because like, mm -hmm. I know for a fact, dude, that it was God in that moment being like, this was it. I put you through this so you could share your story with this other person. Yeah. Because dude, there was a moment where I felt like I was so alone yeah. in what I was going through. Yeah. And I was like, no, I'm not. This dude, see, this dude is me. He's literally just like me. And I was like, there's probably millions of people that are just like this. You know, other people told me that. My parents told me that, man, there's probably other men like you that are struggling with the things that you're struggling with. But it wasn't until he opened up his thing. And I told him, I was like, bro, like, how long have you been struggling with these things? He was like, I don't know, two months? And I'm like, the best thing you could have ever done was tell me this now. Yeah. That's, it took me six years to tell you these things. Yeah. So I know that was a little off path, but like my journey has been ups and downs and ups and downs. And for the first time in my life, I'm really like learning what it means to be a real Christian. Yeah. And like, there's a lot of things that come with that, right? Yeah. That I could talk about for another three and a half hours probably. But my journey hasn't been easy by any means. But I heard on another podcast, and I can't remember who it was, maybe Bobby Bones or something talking to... I can't remember the artist, but um, it doesn't matter. Bobby said something like, you don't get wisdom, unfortunately, without going through hard things. Yeah. Wisdom comes from going through things you never wanted to go through, which is also where growth comes from. Yeah. And that really sucks, right? Because everybody wants to be smarter. Everyone wants to be have good discernment and wisdom. You just don't get that without having troubles. Yeah. And so I'm, you know, I'm thankful maybe for the first time in my life that where God has me, you know, with the vocal thing, because it's a part of my story. And like, I get to share that with other people. Yeah. And dude, to be completely honest, I care about that more than I care about the music. If music is just a platform in which I get to share, like with other men or anyone that like, bro, there's hope yeah. in Jesus. Like, I promised him, like, I was the dude who doubted it. I was the dude on Google trying to figure out, like, was the resurrection real? Like, what's the scientific, scientific proof for the existence of Jesus and, like, the miracles that he did? I was that person mm -hmm. to now be the person of being like, nope, I could promise that, like, mm -hmm. that thing's for real. Yeah. 
Like that's where I'm at right now. That's awesome. Bro, but I'm still like praying every day, like God, I never want to go back. Yeah. I yeah. never want to go back yeah. to that version of myself. Yeah. And so I try to be mindful. I try to be intentional. Part of this, part of it having anxiety is like super self-awareness. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a blessing and a curse. Yeah. And so again, I'm thankful for where I'm at. I still struggle with it. It's still a battle. Different. So for me now is like, I try to tell myself that when I'm feeling the way that I felt like this last week, for me, I'm like, I'm in a battle right now. A mental and spiritual warfare of a battle. Cool. I'm going to try to win this battle because I never want to go back to war. Yeah. I've been in war, bro. That sucks. Well, you know where your hope comes from. For sure. Too. You know the source of the hope, whereas when you're, when you're not a believer, you're not walking, you're straying, and, and you find the worldly things to kind of help yeah. soothe those things and that always leads to destruction and letdown and and just feeling empty and i appreciate you sharing that man it's like it's a beautiful thing like the vulnerability side of the religion of being a christian is like something that has to be really managed very very well and i think you know we you know as a Christian, as a believer, as an outspoken person of your faith, I mean, we always get, um, you know, the haters coming at you because of this, that, and the other. Yeah. And it's the way we treat people. You know, it's it's the uh, hypocrisy of it all sometimes. Um, and I think the beautiful thing that you've realized, and I, I'm also realizing too, it as I go on, as I journey on my walk, is you know having those people around you where you can feel comfortable and trust, where you can open up. Um, because everyone is going through something. It's different sizes, different forms, different circumstances. And, but man, there's just so there, when the, when the Holy Spirit is stirring a room and it sounded like it, I know for a fact that it was the Holy Spirit stirring the room with you and your cousin. Um, it's just, there's so much, you know, hope in those moments and relief and it's unexplainable. Yeah. You can't explain it to somebody who, who doesn't understand what that feeling is like bro i can't even you know you're still it really it's out of this world i mean it's it's unfathomable but um when you when you're talking to somebody who can't relate on that level it's hard and it's just something that each individual has to go through and and our hope too is that you know for for people who we know that are straying and and living a, a life that we wish they weren't it's not, you know, only Jesus can in, in, inter, intervene and, and get that person to make 180, but we can also be stewards of, of, of that and, and be disciples in that, in that sense and, and help as much as we can and pray for those individuals and always be there with loving and open arms. I think that's one of the things that I've learned the most is like, no matter the differences that you have with somebody, whether it's politically, religious yeah. beliefs, the quarrels you have with somebody within your industry, it's like, man, just, just be loving on that person at all times. And it's, it's the hardest thing. So hard, yeah. It's the hardest thing to do. And I, I, I can, I can kind of relate to that. Those instances where you get that random text message or DM from somebody and there's every excuse in the world that you can make not to drive over to your cousin and have that conversation, yeah. you know what I'm saying? But there's, you had the Holy Spirit like on that steering wheel, like, hey, just go, yeah. just go and and open your heart. And it's hard, man. It yeah, it's so, scary. It's full. so scary. It's man. Yeah, the vulnerability side, and that's what's beautiful about the the Bible study, and not maybe not in the in in the uh, environment of being around fifty guys, yeah. 
But when you're in a room with like two or three or four individuals, you know, where, where two or more gather, yeah, I love that's my favorite. Where it is like that's, that's where the Holy Spirit, you know, comes in, and and it's so real, it's so powerful, and it's a beautiful thing. And and it doesn't matter what stage things could be going so good, and you think you got everything figured out, um, but the Holy Spirit will stop you in your tracks and reveal something in that moment. You know what I'm saying? Um, so man, thanks for sharing that. And, and I mean, I, my, my encouragement for you is just to continue with that vulnerability and continue. It, it, it is a daily, it, it is a daily task. It is. it is a daily struggle. The spiritual warfare is so real, especially in this day and age. And it's been in existence forever. And, um, even it, within your industry, it's so easy to dive into old ways and you know go down paths temptation is always there have you one thing that i like to get kind of perspective on is you know as a believer as someone who's you know opening up about their faith on social media um how has your mind sort of shifted within your industry as an artist like i mean I love I love when I see like Walker Hayes get on stage and he prays or yeah. or Thomas Red when he took that moment to yeah. pray for that individual yeah. Yeah. that was not doing well in the, in the I like, it's just like a it's so easy to like turn the cheek to that stuff and 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 feel like oh this is not the right moment for me to speak on something or share my heart or share my faith I mean have you had a pers- perspective shift as far as that goes like using your platform yeah more ways than others to just be more outspoken no doubt i mean it's, it's evolved for me in, in, in the best way possible yeah i mean it's opened more doors than has not i mean there's been some negative reception here and there but i mean i get more negative reception just over the country music that i make than yeah. whatever else which is i'm sure that will change too and I'll, i'm sure i'll get more haters over some spiritual stuff and i do over certain things but it has changed the way that I portray myself, not that I, I don't portray myself better than or yeah, or yeah. even fakely. It's like, yeah. I mean, it makes me think about what I post and like, yeah. sometimes I even feel like I shouldn't post something, not because it's too out there because I'm like, is this, I don't want to come off as like fake for myself. Yeah, yeah. Am I really walking the walk that I'm talking? Yeah. But like, like I've always been a Christian, right? Like I just told you about some of the struggles. My mom has always been like, you should do Christian music. You should do Christian music. And I'm like, man, you're crazy. Whatever. Yeah. Then I started kind of incorporating more like, here's my, I'm a songwriter, yeah. right? And 90% of what I write is based on my real life. Yeah. Well, my real life is my struggles and my Christian daily walk. And my Christian daily walk hasn't been easy. Yeah. So I started writing about that. That changed everything. Yeah. So those songs started becoming extremely receptive. The last song that was like did really well for me is called Nowhere Prayers. And the whole entire song is about praying in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. It's about being in the middle of nowhere, crying out to God, saying, like, do you hear me out here? I'm not in a church. Do you still hear me? Like, I pray that you hear me in this place of desperation. Yeah. And so I posted all these videos about it, dude, and it just it took it actually took off three months after the fact. Yeah. Three months later, the song was on the charts. Three months later, my my following, dude, from that song crew. 25,000 plus on Instagram yeah. and like it, it, it changed the, the demographic of my followers they're still country music fans they're still Christian oh, music yeah, fans yeah, yeah. They're, but do these people DM me on a daily basis and we're praying for you 
Hey man, we're praying for your vocal recovery. Hey man, we're praying, you know, yours is on my heart today. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And so that has made it easier for me to be like, throw the camera up and talk about, hey man, here's my, here's my favorite Bible verse or here's this Bible verse and it means this to me. Yeah. Right? And here's what it means to me. Maybe I can help you too. So, you know, I, I, what I'm trying to figure out now is I'm, I enjoy business. I enjoy content. I'm trying to figure out how to continue down that path and capitalize on it yeah. without being like, I'm going to use Christianity to my advantage. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't want to do that. Yeah. And so that's why I think sometimes when I'm making certain content, I'm like, I don't want to just pick the Bible up and be like, let me read you this Bible verse because I need to post content. Yeah. Right. I try to do it authentically. Yeah. Um, but I think it, in, in the best way possible, it's, it's changed where I think my platform's supposed to be yeah. because I genuinely think that even if I get my voice back and I get every single dream that I've ever wanted in country music or Christian music or whatever, that my number one purpose is to still share my testimony and God's word. Yeah. Like that's what my platform's for. Yeah. And so like, that's the only reason that I'm still optimistic during this time of, will I be an artist? Will I not? Who cares? Yeah. Because I don't think God gave me the platform of right now, between two different platforms, maybe 160,000 followers, just to be like, here you go. Now you're never going to do that again. Yeah. No, that's crazy. It's like, I, I genuinely believe that he gave me that for a reason to do this, to conversate with other believers. Because like, dude, what you're doing no. is the same thing. Like where you, like you said two or more gathered. Yeah. All right, it's right here. Yeah. Well, you're bringing all these people on your podcast and like sharing it with the world. Somebody out there needs to hear it. And I feel like that's what I want to use my platform for. And I think to a certain degree, I already I always felt that way, even with my other music. But now God's like, he's blessing you with that. Mm-hmm. He's been like, yes, yeah, like, that's what you're here for. That's like this feeling, and you've probably had it your whole life too, whether it's been in the NFL or what you're doing now. is like, maybe you can't even define it, but like this thing inside of you has always felt like, I'm supposed to be doing something bigger than myself. Yeah. You know, I have certain people in my life that don't understand that. I always say stuff like, I want to be somebody. And my mom's like, you are somebody. Yeah. Even that pastor that I met with last week, he's like, dude, you are. Mm-hmm. And I understand that. Like, I know that he took in God's eyes. Like, I am somebody. Yeah. Even without that, like, I, I've done a lot of things. Yeah. I'm somebody. But I have this feeling in my heart. It's like, I don't want to work a nine to five. Yeah. I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to build something better than myself. Yeah. I've always felt that way. I can't define exactly what that means, whether it's, music or this brand or this, like whatever. But I think now I'm starting to realize like, oh, that's what it's for. It's not even about me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Cause like I get more fulfillment when it's talking with somebody else yeah. and helping them even more so than I do when it's like, oh, let me check on my numbers. Yeah, yeah. You know, cause that's, yeah. that's a deadly road too. Oh, yeah. But not a long answer, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's been the, Biggest blessing in the life. Yeah, no, it's sure. great. And I can relate to that. It's like, you know, with football, you know, when I got into the league early on, it was like everything had to be around football. It was selfishly prioritized where, you know, at the Colts, um, they talk about the three pillars are faith, family, and football. Well, dude, for the longest time, my my pillars were always, it was football, family, faith. Yeah. Sometimes family and faith were interchangeable, but 
number one was always football. Yeah. It had to be that way. If I wanted to make it, if I wanted to succeed, I had to put football in front of everything. And I did that for a long time. I put everything on that back burner, whether it was family, friends, social life. At times, social life, you know, in the off season became more of a priority and, and I suffered from that. But, um, dude, it, it, it took a while for me to realize, like, the longer I stayed in the league, the older I got, I, I realized that that window comes closing really, really fast. And God revealed to me in those in those moments when I was starting to go from team to team, I was no longer on a multi-year contract. Just he put it on my heart, like, God is going to take me to a team that he wants me to be on. Yep. And it's not there to play football. It's there to be a disciple in that locker room. You know, I had to, I had to read, there was a, a seasons where God put me, God took me through certain seasons to make me realize that my priorities were just so out of whack. I was putting things in front of, I had idols. I wasn't, I wasn't, my eyes weren't solely focused on Christ. And again, that's a daily, that's a day-to-day struggle, you know, you know, and so, you know, I, I quickly realized, man, man, like it is a blessing and an honor and a privilege to be in this league. But God does not care about my stats. He does not care about my paycheck. He does not care about how many games I play, how many tackles I make, how many, you know, games we win. He cares about using this platform to be a disciple in that locker room because in the NFL locker room, there it is there are some lost souls in there. For sure. And if that, if I can be a shining light in there, God, take me to where you need me to be, not where I want to be. Yeah. You know, and he's always taken me somewhere where I least expected it. Yeah. Um, it was uncomfortable times, but man, it was an incredible blessing. I learned so much through that. And, and now with podcasting, it's like, you know, me and Justin are getting this thing going. We're really being consistent and it's so easy to look and watch and listen to other podcasts and be like, I want to be like that. Oh, yeah, dude. I want to be funny. I want to be viral. I want to be, I want to be frat boy. I want to be this, that, Absolutely. the other, but that's not me. Right. I would feel so cringy trying to do things that is not in my lane and i always i always from the get-go to now i need to stay in the lane of like let's i want to share story man i want to be vulnerable i want to share a testimony sometimes it's not always like that mm-hmm. um i have guests on here that aren't necessarily strong believers or a believer at that um that's even better yeah but i would love to just share I, everyone's got a story everyone has a testimony to share and that's what god wants us to use our testimony before it's not for us to keep with inside and, and not share and so even in the podcast world now it's like you know yeah all these massive podcasts out there they're big because they're talking about sex they're talking about this they're talking about what's worldly cool yeah. but dude that's not my lane that's Absolutely. not who i am i would feel embarrassed to take that route and it would probably lead me to nothing it would, i mean it you would know what i'm saying maybe a temporary home yeah time. you know and so there have been moments i'll never forget i had kaiser cunningham on we did a podcast it was it was late at night it was like a rainy night early in the spring and uh you know he opened up to me about you know his his stuff and his struggles and i did, i just remember going home that night like teary-eyed like this is such a cool god given talent to be able to do this and and talk to somebody and open up with somebody that I don't know necessarily too well. And I just felt so much fulfillment in that moment, like not a pat on my back, but like a, just like, thank, thank you, Kaiser. Thank you, God, for, you know, bringing Kaiser on and just sharing that, sharing that story. And it's like, man, that's like the purpose of it 
needs to be on that on that lane on that road where you know i don't care about the numbers i don't care about that i just want to i want to be real and authentic and not straight try to stray from that now there's times where you know i i think you need to do this of or course. do that that's business you know what i'm saying but you know at the end of the day like the main goal is to keep it god-centered open up be vulnerable and just like because I, I know it's gonna if it just touches one person that's that's important you know yeah and, absolutely yeah god will bless that too yeah yeah and he, and he has like just having this conversation right here like joining you know the bible bibles i would have never gone if if brian never invited me or tyler was never on you know and so like it's just been an incredible blessing to uh now be in a room with so many other individuals that i can i can now uh just meet and and Absolutely. you know and, that, and that's what's cool about this city man like this city it is it is daunting it's it's a it's a machine it'll chew you up and spit you out but man there are so many good people out here man and they're like there's more than not really yeah and it is incredible to um just hear um i mean like just all the resources in the world whether it's sports or music or media like it's just, it's right here we're so great and grateful to to have a community here where i mean it really does feel like for the most part i know i'm not in your world but there's some good people out there that are high ups in major companies um whether it's music or sports or entertainment that will give the shirt off their back to help you. I know. You know what I'm saying? And that's not always the case when you go to LA or New York or somewhere else, you know? I mean, it's not always the case here either. Well, no, it's not, but I, I, I have experienced that. Yeah. The human side, the humanity side of like, just good, solid people here, man. That really is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't really know it until I was stuck either. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's so crazy because like, some of the people that are in that room are people that I dream not being in a room with. Yeah. Up and coming, like there's some, there's people that I've looked up and listened to on the radio yeah. all white in that yeah. room that I'm in the room with now for a completely different reason and it's so much better. Dude. Oh, so much better, isn't it? Yeah, because like I would rather be in that room having the conversations with those guys and those boys that I'm having than to ever be like in a different room, like, let's get a right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't care about that with them. Yeah. I'd rather have a real fit do this yeah, yeah. with them. I'm like, same way, bro. I would have never even this vocal journey, I would never end up in that room if it wasn't for this. Yeah. So it's like, and that's been the best thing that I've ever done in my time here. Yeah. So, yeah, dude, I don't know. How did you get get connected with that? Dude, someone invited me or shared it on Instagram or, I'll tell you what's funny, that publisher that I was talking about, that it was like, your job's a crutch. Yeah. He was talking about a Bible study that he was in. And I didn't know it at the time that it was that Bible study. Really? I haven't seen him there since I've started. I've only been there for like five or six weeks. Yeah. But when I saw someone post about it, I was like, I wonder if that's the same one. It's got to be the same one to the way he was talking about it. It's so niche and unique. Yeah. And then I think I ended up DMing the Instagram page. And they were like, yeah, man, we nine o'clock on Wednesdays come by. My very first day in there, dude, I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. And so, like my third, my second week there, you know, they do a prayer request at the beginning. Yeah. I brought up this vocal thing. Yeah. I said, okay, whatever. Third week there, so the same thing, you know, I continued prayer requests for my vocal cords. Dude, at the end of that Bible study, George, before he closed, he was in the middle of saying something. And I was sitting behind him. And he's like, in the middle of talking, and then he just stops. And he's like, turns around, and he's like, Jasper, are you cool? And just like coming to the middle of the room, like, I was putting our hands on you and just praying for you real quick. Dude, my heart dropped. 
be there. And I was like, dude, it was like harping on the crop. Yeah. It's like, I had all these dudes, right? Like that are in the same industry as me. They know what I'm going through. But like I said, people that like I've looked up to my whole life. Yeah. In there with their hands on my back, praying for me. Like it was just powerful, bro. And like yeah. in that moment too, I was like, there's, there's nothing else like this. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And like this city needs that. This industry needs that. Yeah. But like, so all us men in general, we need that. Yeah. So, yeah, that that group is like, dude. There's still times where I doubt why I'm in Nashville and like, you know, the, the, the music industry's in a spot where you don't even have to live here anymore. Yeah. You live in Oklahoma and have a computer and a guitar and be famous on the internet. Yeah. And get millions of streams. You don't really need this. Yeah. And so there's times where I'm like, man, should I, should I go back to Alabama? Like, and just like get a small house in the middle of nowhere, you know, like, because I'm on a country boy heart. Yeah. Dude, that Bible study is like the main reason. Like, I don't even really. Yeah. Really, like, like I said, like I'm fully independent. Like, I don't have any like ties to the industry of like, hey, like we're you know we're him giving you a pub deal. Like, there's been conversations in the past, or whatever. But that Bible study is the number one reason why I'm like I don't really. That's so cool, man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I like I can't wait for Wednesdays. You know, same. But it's, it's the just, best part of my week. It is cool, and and for guys to take their time out of the day, it's it's so important. You know, it's like and it's it's an incredible. You know, I, 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 I didn't want to outset my boundaries before like inviting whoever I wanted to, but like, man, let's, let's go. Like, let's, yeah. let's pack the rooms and we make it so we have to find a bigger space yeah. you know, because that's what we all need. Dude, I felt the same way. You know what I'm saying? Right, my first day there, I literally left there and I had to pray about it. Cause I was like, in my heart, I could feel like, oh, this is so cool and unique. Like I don't want anybody else to know about it. Yeah. And that's so selfish, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it needs to grow and like do its things. So. And it is growing. Fast. Yeah, very fast. So so thankful to be a part of. It. Yeah, yeah, it's so cool. So shout out Jordan, and uh, I guess we'll see you there tomorrow morning at nine. <laughs> well, uh, to end on this, man. So you you do have a new single coming out yeah. in November tenth. Yeah, everything under the sun. everything under the S O N. Yeah, and uh, but then you also mentioned that you're going to do a, an EP release. Yeah, so for the first year. I mean, this single comes out on the tenth. Three ish weeks later, I'm going to do another single. I'm super excited about it. It's called Country Boy Can't Survive. Okay. So it's a spin on a Country Boy Can't Survive. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be the song that gives me the most hate. I know the internet's going to lose their minds. Yeah. Which probably be good. But yeah, yeah. Um, then I'll put an EP out. It's called Bird Dog in the Bible. I have a bird dog. Um, that whole, the whole EP is based on all the things we've been talking about. Okay. Four, uh, three out of the four songs are 100% like country Christian songs. Yeah. Other than country boy can't survive that's just my, my one gotta have the banger on there yeah. but yeah that that'll all come out by the end of the year and um then we'll see what happens with this singing thing yeah. i mean my hope and prayers are that like i can at a bare minimum get my voice back to at least get back to recording songs if yeah. nothing else yeah can i genuinely miss that like even if i never get to be on the radio or play the opera or you know, some of those goals. Dude, if I can get the studio and record songs and keep putting them out, like, I'll be a happy man. And, like, other than that, dude, like, I think I'm just going to go all in on my content because I love that just as much. Yeah. And doing this and sharing stories yeah. and, like, just picking the camera back up. I, I genuinely enjoy that just as much as writing songs. So, you know, I've, as of right now, I have three songs left in me to put out, but that doesn't mean I can't keep being a songwriter. I have other songs coming up this year for other artists too that I've written. So that's that's 
that's something that I always have in my pocket. Yeah. Like, I know that I'll never stop being a songwriter. Who knows where the artist career goes? But like I said, I'm super optimistic in what a personal brand um, is going to be. So that's kind of, that's the goal for now. That's cool, man. Well, thank you again for taking the time out, coming over to the crib. I appreciate Open it. Open up, man. Mm-hmm. Sharing to So, no, I appreciate you, man. Like, I, I've gotten to know a lot more about you, and, and uh, I really just hope that we can stay connected. Obviously, see you every Wednesday, but, man, my, I'll, I'll be praying for you, bro, and uh, just a recovery. Appreciate just that. discernment in the moment. Um, you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. Sure. Um, but just just stay armored up. Yeah. You know, keep going, keep fighting. But I love your vulnerability, man. Like, I, I, I didn't go too far down the rabbit hole on your social page, but the recent posts have been very open, honest, and vulnerable. Um, and I, I've sensed a lot of joy in the voice that I heard. Um, and so just like where you are right now, where your feet are, um, seems like you're in a great mindset going forward. Um, but we all know, you never know what tomorrow brings sure. and we're always going to be in this ongoing battle, but, uh, just consider me a brother, bro. And, and, uh, you got a new fan, yeah, appreciate it, a new man. supporter and, and, and new brother to, prayer warrior for yourself but uh man thank you so much for opening up and uh look forward to that that new single on yeah. november 10th bro appreciate it corner, man. thanks for having me on yeah. love you man Adam, well, see. Yeah. appreciate it